Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Well, good morning. All right, I'm gonna try wearing my glasses so now I can see all of you guys. This is what you guys look like? Wow, y'all are a good looking group. See how I turned that back around? That was nice. Anyway, how is y'all's Thanksgiving? Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? <laughs> Applause means good things, good things. Hey, I really want to uh, say thanks to Pastor Clark and Rick Manis, who both speak, uh, spoke, uh, speak in present tense and the past. Uh, they did great. I really enjoyed hearing their words, and I hope you were encouraged as well. Uh, and we are going to move things into Christmas now. So we're past Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope you're ready. Who has lights on their house already? All right, well, pretty good bunch. Uh, how many of you guys already have a Christmas tree up? Wow, okay, okay. So do I. So do I. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, this, this series, okay, so I don't know about you, but this year feels a little upside down. Anybody else, like, coming into this year, you had your goals, you had your New Year's everythings, and none of that mattered because we all went upside down and have been there for I mean, almost a year now. So uh, I don't believe when we turn the page it necessarily goes away, but it feels like we're upside down, but it's kind of okay, right? It's not just that we're upside down. It kind of feels like we can be right side up even though our, our circumstances and our life exist this way. Uh, in fact, this, this idea of this message kind of came a little bit from uh, my kids coming home all the time about a couple years ago and sharing how Miss Leslie kept teaching them that even though things were upside down, it can be right side up. And I love that. I mean, they really, really got that lesson, and they have never forgotten it. So I'm going to steal a little bit from the kids' church today, from Leslie and her stuff, uh, and, and this idea of, of life feeling upside down. Christmas in 2020, if you haven't noticed, is much like year zero, okay? I mean, everything is just backwards and, and feels that way. Uh, and yet, here we are, 2020. Just let that sink in for just a moment, how many years later this has been, for things to still be this way. Uh, I, Google, I Googled upside-down Christmas, and I discovered something that maybe you were already aware of. I was not. There are things called upside-down Christmas trees. Did anybody know this? <laughs> you should be proud. I mean, wave your hand nice and proud. You're like the only person, maybe a couple others. Uh, I had never heard of such a thing, but right now, those of you watching at home, pull up in that extra tab and, and, and go do a search real quick, and you should look at this. You can order these. Amazon will sell you an upside-down Christmas tree in case you would prefer this look in your home, you know? Uh, some do, and, and they have. But where this came from, okay, this idea before Dillard's and everyone began making these uh, with stands and stuff even, which I don't even know how that works, but anyway, uh, this, this started apparently in the seventh century, okay? There was a, a priest named Boniface, Boniface, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, and he, uh, he was watching out his window one day. I imagine it's Christmas time. You know, he's looking outside, seeing what's going on out there that's good. And there are these pagans worshiping a uh, oak tree, you know. 
Why an oak tree? I don't know. Anyway, but they, it really bugs him. So he goes outside and he cuts the tree down. Okay, I love this guy already. They're, they're worshiping a tree and he's like, watch this. And he just lops the tree off, okay? Then he plants a tree in its place, uh, a Christmas tree, if you will. And as it grows up, then he cuts that one down, okay? This guy had a long-term goal, I guess, because this must have taken some time. But he cuts down this tree. Then he takes the tree. And back then, it was similar to this building in that we have these rafters. And he hung the tree upside down. And, and rumor has it he used it to describe uh, the Trinity. I look for how. If anybody knows how, please send that to me. I have no idea. But here's the Trinity. Anyway, they did this for a long time. <laughs> God in three parts. I, I've really thought a lot about this. But anyway, somebody email me. Let me know how it works. I have Google. I can't find anything that says anything about it. But this is what the man did, okay? And so in a year of upside downness and a year where everything kind of feels that way, I felt this is perfect. Like this is absolutely perfect for how it feels. And it will capture uh, that things can actually be right side up. Um, Let's take a look at what the kingdom is like. Okay, Luke chapter 17 says this. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Oh, man, even, even when everything seems upside down, God is saying to everybody, Oh, it's not the way you think. The kingdom of God is in your midst. This is an incredible revelation that Jesus is bringing to the Pharisees and all of those who had studied and studied and longed to be like him. And here he's standing before him saying, you don't even understand what the kingdom of God is like. And that's, that's for a lot of us too. I often believe we forget that we are in the kingdom, right? We have keys to a kingdom. We're not waiting on something. We're in it now. And this is exciting. So let me take my, my story over here to this chair. And we're going to read some of the Christmas story this morning. So if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 1, I'm going to sit here by the fire in the upside down Christmas tree and, uh, and read this to you. But let's take a look at the kingdom. Here we go. Luke chapter 1. Do you really feel like it's Christmas now? <laughs> All right, oh, next week. Okay. <clears throat> now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus." He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want you to imagine this, if you will. Put yourself in the Christmas spirit here. Really think about what it was like to be Mary. She's washing some dishes. You know, she's doing things. She's about a teenager, by the way, so she's not as old as you may think. And all of a sudden, an angel comes walking into the room and explains all of this. What would your first thoughts be? I mean, come on, honestly. 
you're kicking this person out of your house. There is no way, like, someone's coming in my house explaining all this to me like this. No, something happened on the inside, right? Something had to have happened to Mary because you and I and all of us would all respond very similarly in this kind of situation. But something happened. That's what I want to draw our attention to this morning because it happened to you as well. Mary wasn't special in the sense that, I know this might offend some, she wasn't special at all really in the sense that she's unlike us. We're all exactly the same, right? Mary was just like you and me. She, she found an incredible role in the story, but, but she's just like us. So when these words came to her, they hit you the same way they hit her, okay? Uh, you get what I mean. In this moment, this angel says this, do not be afraid because you have discovered grace. You've discovered grace. When you fully understand this, you will never have any fear. You can't be afraid. And he always ties those things together. Don't be afraid. You have discovered favor or grace. All right, these words we know around here, uh, this word grace is charis, and it means grace or favor. Essentially, what the angel was saying is, Mary, love is always leaning into you. And you don't have to be afraid. Love is always leaning into you, and you don't have to be afraid. How many times this year have you found yourself afraid? How many times this year have you found yourself saying, wait a minute, everything looks upside down. I'm afraid. And take these words of encouragement. Love is leaning into you. You have discovered grace, Mary. It came to you. You didn't know it was coming, and all of a sudden you saw it, and it changed you. Mary discovered this, and so have we. And she was no different than us. What what was your moment like when you first came into contact with not just love, but agape love, like a love that transcended anything you'd ever seen? When you first came into contact with God and and you discovered what he was really like, oh, it causes you to believe, doesn't it? It causes you to just be filled with joy. It changes everything about your story. Faith combines with grace, and you are blessed. Faith and grace come together, and you are saved. Listen to this in verse 45. You know, Elizabeth, uh, she was older in her age, and I imagine when Mary was hearing these words that your, 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 your relative is pregnant, I imagine her mouth hit the ground. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? And it says this in verse 45, Blessed is she who believed, this is what Elizabeth says to her, blessed, is, blessed are you, Mary, who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. You are blessed because you believed. So, so it's really important that we're able to believe. Well, let me ask you a question. How do you believe? <laughs> it's really important. It's how you get blessed. How many times do we, do we actually talk about ways you can get blessed, right? Some people will focus on that, and i got to find the pathway to get blessed and all that. And Jesus made it very simple. It's believing. That's it. And you're blessed. How do you get more faith? How do, you, how do you get full of faith? How do you build up your faith? You can substitute the word faith for any other thing. How do we get more? How do we get more? This is what the earth constantly is saying. How do we get more? And Jesus is saying the kingdom is in your midst. It's upside down. You guys have it the wrong way. You're, you're thinking you need more. So he asks these questions. Okay, so, so let's say you're somebody who says, I want more faith. Like, I just really want more faith. And what you'll do is you'll, you'll do what? You'll go read the Bible. You'll pray, you'll put worship on. And how do you feel after you do all those things? Wonderful, right? I would hope so. Like, I love those moments, you know? Whenever I have the time to really sit there and the kids aren't there and and it's all the distractions of the world and I can just sit there in that moment, you feel fantastic because of something that happened. 
You set your mind on the Spirit. That's actually why you feel so good, is you, you, you remember who you are. You, you set your mind there, and you begin to experience all of the things that God has already given you, including faith. <laughs> you can't get more of what Jesus authored and perfected and gave to you and a certain measure of and said, this is exactly all you would need. Don't waste your time asking for more of that. Instead, set your mind, because you have faith, on things above. You can do that in the same way that Jesus did it when his entire world was upside down. We discover grace, and it gives us humility. It causes us to see ourselves the way God sees us. How often do we need that? I need it every single day. I need a reminder every day, Lord, don't let me see things the way I see them. Lord, I want to see things after you, the way you see me. I need to see that. Show me. <laughs> I look in the mirror sometimes, and I don't like that guy a whole lot. So God, let me see him through your eyes. How many of us all need that? Mary was just like us. She had an opportunity to latch onto this faith and watch blessing, watch salvation take place. You know, Jesus said in this one moment, he said, if you just had faith like a mustard seed, you remember that? He said, if you just have a little bit of faith, you can take a mountain and cast it into the ocean. And I don't know why in the world he used that as an example. It sounds awesome, and I'm really glad that nobody's tossing mountains around like into oceans and things, you know? Because the truth of the matter is you have more than enough faith. You have, you, a mustard seed was the, this was the, the ground level. Like he was saying, look, if you even just had this little bit, and what he gave you was so much more than that. He gave you his faith. That's incredible. That's far more than a little mustard seed. See, in that moment, if you go read those scriptures, what he's talking about is he's showing them the relationship was broken. He says, you guys see yourselves as slaves, and so what was their result as a slave? They said, please, give us more faith. Increase our faith, they said. And Jesus was trying to bring them to the conclusion that, no, you're not supposed to be a slave. You're supposed to be a son. You're supposed to be a child of God, and everything that you're viewing and you think it's right side up, it's upside down. And he's going to demonstrate this incredible faith to us, and it comes through these words. Listen to this, Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of somebody really important, Christ, his word. Now let's talk about these two words that mean word, okay? Lots of words going on. Uh, the first word is rhema. And this simply means a spoken word, all right? This is when someone speaks. Now, in relation to God, this is what I want you to catch, because what he came and what he was speaking on and what he was showing was that we didn't know anything that we were, we didn't know anything we were talking about. We didn't know the Father. We didn't know the Son. We didn't know how life worked. We didn't understand any of these things. And so everything that he does is to reveal how good the Father is. Look, please, just take a moment and envision Jesus, that his mission is to reveal how good the Father is because nobody understood it. Nobody was approaching God. Nobody wanted to be in relationship with God because that seemed crazy. It was upside down. Listen to this in Matthew 11. Look how he reveals the Father. All things, verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Stop there. What is he saying? The kingdom is here, and guess who has the keys? Jesus. <laughs> All things have been handed over to me by my Father. I'm, I'm speaking rhema to you to reveal the word himself, which we'll get to in a moment. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Catch this. He's saying to everybody, guys, you've never met him before. Wait a minute. But what about these, all these heroes of the Bible? 
They didn't get it either. Nobody's gotten it before. The only person was Jesus. Why? Because he came from the Father. In fact, that's why he was here. It wasn't just to seek and save that which was lost. It was to do so by revealing how good God is. If you understand how good he is, you'll approach him. You'll go get all the salvation you need. Because he goes on to say this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give. I'm a God who gives rest. Look at what he takes. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love this so much. Jesus is sitting here revealing just how good he is to everybody in the whole place. He's revealing what God is really like. And what he says is, is that my father is the kind of person, I'm the kind of person that if you come to me with an issue, I will take your entire issue from you. (laughs) That's what I'm like. I'm a God who takes your issues. I'm a God who takes your pain. I'm a God who takes your failures. I'm a God who takes every bad thing from you and gives only good back. I don't know what other relationships you have in your life that could ever say that they are like that. I don't know that we can have one like that, right? He is agape love, and he is not like you and me. <laughs> he doesn't operate like us, really, almost at all. Instead, he's very much so different. This is what he is like. And so let's look at this other word for what he is like, and it is this word logos or logos, logos, however you'd like to say it. Legos, that's how I like to say it. Uh, <laughs> and it means the word. Now catch this. This is the embodiment of what God wants to express towards you. It is the embodiment of an idea. So when we relate this word preeminently with Jesus, with it's really his word, right? He is the word. Then what we're saying is that Jesus embodies the thoughts the Father has towards you. When you saw Jesus, what you were seeing was the embodiment of all of the way God feels about you. Oh, man, just take a good hard look then at Jesus, and you're going to see what he just said. I came to make your burdens light. I came to take all the hard stuff away. I came to take the upside down away and let you walk right side up. The embodiment of how God feels about us, he first shows to Jesus so we can all see it. He demonstrates as a father, let me show you how I treat my son. Let me show you how I provide and take care of him. And even when he goes to a cross, I go with him. Like he's never going to be alone. (laughs) I'm going to show you what kind of a God I am. And he does this to Jesus so that we will see that he is gentle, he is humble in heart, and we would come to him because he's trustworthy. Look at verse 14. Uh, Actually, John chapter 1, excuse me, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, let me start this over. In the beginning was the embodiment of grace, (laughs) how God felt towards you, and that was with God. And that was God. Do you catch this? The embodiment of how God even feels about you is God. <laughs> it's so much bigger than we imagine. For his, uh, see, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing has come into being. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. This embodied idea of how much God loves you took on skin <laughs> and dwelt among us. We saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of the reality of grace, grace and truth, reality. For his fullness, for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. 
The embodiment of God's thoughts towards you is what overshadowed Mary. It's what, it's what surrounded her and began to create this story for you and me to see. Where Mary discovered grace, but oh, she was not going to be the last one to discover grace. She was just the first one to come in contact with it, and she was blessed. See, if we stop relating to God through the lens of Moses, if we stop relating to God through the lens of any other thing but Jesus, you will begin to experience the exact feelings that Mary experienced in that room of, you've got to be kidding me. Me? Me? And you begin to start trading everything, going, well, then it must not be because I'm perfect. It must not be because, and you start seeing what grace really is, is God wanting to lavishly bless you over and over again if you will only receive it. So he gives this faith. He authored and perfected this. John 17 says this, I have revealed your name. <laughs> the word saying, I have revealed the word. <laughs> I have revealed the name above all names. To those you've given me out of the world, they were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. He's talking about his disciples. Now catch what happened to the disciples when this worked on them, right? Jesus is practicing on everybody before you. <laughs> and look how it works. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Faith, right? Faith taught them this. And they now know. And they can't be convinced otherwise. I have given them the words you gave me. And they received them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. What did Paul say how we're saved? You know, when Romans, you know, we read all the Romans road, we catch all this stuff, and this is exactly what Jesus just said. You have to believe in who I am and believe that my Father is the way that he is, that he sent someone like me, the embodiment of grace, the embodiment of how God feels towards you. He loves you so much that that's my Father who sent, sent me. And as soon as you do this, you're saved. You believe. In fact, you'll find yourself, if you come into grace, you come into contact with that, you'll find yourself just start saying out loud, God, you are so good. You'll just say it because faith and grace are at work inside of you. You start saying things that sound crazy to most people. Verse 20. I'm not asking on behalf of just them alone, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one as you, Father, and in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Oh, God wants to be in relationship with you so bad that he traded everything. He gave it all for you. He'd do it over and over and over and over and over again for each individual person in this room watching online or listening to this at any point. He loves you. He thought about you. Oh, he gave you gifts and all kinds of quirks and things that are weird to others, but he loves them. <laughs> he loves you. And all he wants you ever to do is to receive that. And nobody could. Not one person could actually receive what he wanted them to receive because we were shut up under the law. We were shut up under some other system that he had to also come and show us had a purpose. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that wasn't of yourself. You didn't come up with it. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. 
Faith has come to the world. You know that question Jesus asked? You know, am I gonna, is anyone going to find faith, this idea? Oh, faith is here. Faith is, is in the world today so that when you hear the word of grace and it combines with that, you believe and you are transformed. You become something brand new. John 12, 32, Jesus says, And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. That's not lifting up the name of Jesus. That was Jesus going up on a cross. <laughs> when I am lifted up, I'm going to draw everybody to myself. Everybody. That's the plan. Now, this wasn't just for Mary to find. In this moment, I love when these angels appear. I want you to picture the shepherds sitting over the, the hill by night, you know, and they're sitting out there. They're doing what they do every single night. This is the same plan. All of a sudden, you know how the story goes. The sky just erupts. <laughs> and there is an angelic host that says, says this, Luke 2, 13. Suddenly there appeared with an angel, appeared with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. <laughs> with whom you, he's, you're pleasing. You're pleasing to God. The, the idea of being pleased is to be in relationship with God. He's saying, come, come, you're invited to come. <laughs> I am a certain way that you should always feel invited to come. I am a certain way where you should never be afraid. You should always come. And this, this was absolutely impossible without faith. Look at Hebrews 11. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Guys, we knew this way before scientists did. <laughs> we knew this way before anybody had a microscope. We knew this way before anybody else because the Spirit of God told us. He says to us that every single thing that you see is made up by him. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Imagine this, Cain and Abel, same situation, where God came to them and said, this is what's pleasing to me. I love when you're with me. I love being in relationship with you. And I don't know the whole story there of what happened, but Abel believed and said, okay. And Cain didn't. And that's why it went this way. Now look at this one. I love this one. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. He obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Catch this. Long before anything ever happened, here's Enoch walking with God. I don't know what this looked like, you know, but all of a sudden God says, Hey, Enoch, did you know I, I, I like you a lot? <laughs> You're pleasing to me. And Enoch had the faith. He received that faith and he said, I believe that. And God just said, hey, you want to just come on up to heaven? <laughs> like, you want to skip all this? Just, just come on up. You don't have to die. Just, you just come on up. Okay. Nobody ever saw Enoch ever again. <laughs> He's gone. By faith, all of these things happened. By faith, God is still doing things in our midst all the time. Do you see it? You'll see it if you're in relationship with him and you're constantly in this receiving and you're, you're being blessed. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please him, which is why he gives us faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What did Adam and Eve do before they messed it all up? We would have to, but they danced with God. They walked with God. Imagine the mysteries and the things that God shared with them. And as Pastor Clark said a couple weeks ago, we gained more in Christ than we lost in Adam. (laughs) So for as great as that must have been, what you and I have is just infinitely better. Even when things look totally upside down and backwards, we're still in tune. Lord, I still hear you. I still see you. I still see that the kingdom is here in my midst. I have a key myself. (laughs) You gave us the keys. What did Jesus do when God said he was pleased? (laughs) He knew his father was with him. Pleasing God is being with him. Pleasing God is being with him. His preference is for you to be with him. Now, this is amazing to me because God knew us. He knew we're always afraid. He's always saying that, right? Don't be afraid. It's me. You shouldn't be afraid. It's me. It's a problem with your eyes. (laughs) It's me. I love this. He never wants us to be afraid. So what does he do? But he comes down. He becomes every single mistake you will ever make. He becomes every bad thing you'll ever say. He becomes every, if you were to set a goal and just see how many bad things you could possibly do, you will never catch up to Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Jesus? Yeah. He became all sin. He took the title. You you will never get that title from him. And do you know why he willingly accepted that title? Because he knew his father and he was in a relationship with his father and he knew that my father will not leave me in the ground. He never will. He will always come and offer back to you the life that he always wants you to have. He knew his father. So Jesus went ahead, took the title for most sins committed ever by becoming sin itself, took it all upon himself so he could demonstrate to you and me that even if that kills you, even if it puts you in the ground, he's going to raise you back up and bring you back to life. And if he did it to Jesus and Jesus did it, I'll never get that bad. (laughs) I'll never commit all those sins. Can't. Some of those are yours. So no, the, the door's wide open. I'll never be as bad as that guy, and he rose him from the dead, so oh, I'm in. I'm in. Do you see it? Oh, the children of God are being revealed. Romans 8, 16 through 19. See, the giver, he not only had a gift, even though it didn't look like he had a gift, he became the gift. And because of the way he set it all up, every one of you become a gift to him. (laughs) You become a gift back to God. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him, I'll walk upside down. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Listen to this. The anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is anxious, you guys. Creation's fearful. 
Creation's just waiting, going, come on, come on, where is it? Where are they? Oh, and the church has had some good moments in the past, you know? We've had some bad moments. But this is not about a good or bad moment, as Rick was saying. It's about a third option. <laughs> the world needs to see agape people. The world needs to see a people that say, we can see this and we're going to show it off. Just like Jesus showed off the Father, that's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you what the Father is like. Yeah, but Javen, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. I've seen what Jesus did. <laughs> it's way better. So receive him and enter into this rest. Look, before I read this last scripture, and we close, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've heard these words today, the good news is you have faith to believe. You're not left without faith. It's already been given. Combine that with the revelation of what the Father is like, and you will be saved. And I want to give every person an opportunity. You don't have to pray a prayer out loud. The Bible says he knows your heart. Sometimes I say it out loud over and over again just for fun. Because <laughs> there's no shame in saying, God, I need you to save me. I need you. I love saying I need you. Because I know I have you. <laughs> John 1, verse 12. As many as received him, to them he gave the right. You have a right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Your story is complicated, I guarantee it, isn't it? I bet everybody's story, I bet no one's story here is simple. <laughs> everybody's story is crazy complicated. And maybe you look at certain elements of your story, you look at certain parts of your story, and you go, I, I don't understand any of this, it's upside down. And God goes, I know. <laughs> but you were made to be a child of God, to receive that and to walk that out forever. I don't know if you ever sit around talking about what heaven's going to be like, you know. We could all have a thousand different things in this room, I'm sure. But Brooke and I, we were talking here the other night, just, you know, what's heaven like? You know, what do you think? I said, go for it. What do, you, what do you got? You know, and she's saying, well, I think it's this and that. And it's the fullness of joy, isn't it? And he didn't let us not experience that till then. Like, we're not waiting to experience that until then. We can walk right side up even when the world's upside down. Father, we love you so much. You've given us that joy in our hearts. You've given us all that we need pertaining to life and godliness. You've given us all the faith we ever need to have. <laughs> we possess what we need, thanks to you. Lord, I pray for every person in this room, and I pray that they would see the gift that they have been given. Lord, that's me too, that we'd all have a greater realization of this gift that was given by the most tremendous giver there ever will be. Father, you are such a good giver. Thank you for taking only the bad stuff. We trust you and we love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond together.